Supervisory Border Patrol Agent Jen Lindusik at EOD with the 175th session. And you're listening to Old Patrol HQ Podcast. Keeping our Border Patrol traditions alive on our first. Greetings and welcome to episode 11 of the Old Patrol HQ Podcast. I am your host, Gil Maza. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, with a few shenanigans along the way. Today, in honor of the 45th anniversary of women coming into the patrol, we will be talking with retired Border Patrol Supervisor Janelyn Busek, Class 175 out of Glencoe, Georgia. She started out in Yuma, Arizona, and with true courage, guts, and determination, she was committed to making it into the patrol. How did she do? Come and hear her story. She is a true game changer and a badass five percenter. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always. Greetings, ma'am, and welcome to the Old Patrol HQ podcast. Good afternoon, Gil. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we're very honored and blessed to have you on with us, especially right now since we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Women in the Patrol. And uh, just wanted you to know that uh, when we put out the, you know, we put out the uh, asking who people would like to hear on the interviews, uh, your name came up quite a bit, uh, recommended by a lot of people. That's great. That's, that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Good. Well, um, I always like to begin our interview by talking about how you first got interested in how you got into patrol. Okay. Um, I was uh, finished with college, got a whole two-year degree, and um, honestly was working on my business degree, getting ready to go to San Diego State, and I started just questioning really what I wanted to do. Um and decided to go uh, take the test with El Cajon Police Department and mm-hmm. San Diego County Sheriff's Office mm-hmm. and see how that how that would turn, you know, how that would go. Um, and while I was doing that, I was also taking, um, for fun, the dance classes out at Westmont College. And right at the same period of time, this was in 1984, um, I ran into some work recruiters. Kind of weird because I grew up out there in San Diego and had no clue of what Marshall did. Mm-hmm. No clue. So 1983, I'm looking, I test, I pass PD, alcohol PD. I do their physical, I do their, their written, I even do their psychological. The guy asked me, what if you don't pass? What are you going to do? I said, move on, go somewhere else. <laughs> um, San Diego County, same thing, did the test. Uh, did their physical, oh my gosh, their wall, they watched me try to push over that wall, and uh, they gave me a shot, and uh, they actually uh, accepted me for their reserve um, program. Mm. While I was waiting for that, I had, in January of 84, also um, tested for the Border Patrol. So all this is happening within a few months, and I get the acceptance for the Sheriff's Office, and then I get border patrols, and I get border patrols probably February. Uh, no, I get I get the letter saying the test. Anyway, um, I ended up deciding to go with border patrol. I turned down the SO. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said, "I said, where the heck is um? Where it's because it was like nine months later that I took my test. So I got to think about time wise here. Uh, January eighty four down to the end of 
84. I cast September 14th, as a matter of fact, 1984 for my oral board. And um, as a matter of fact, and I'll stop right here for just a second. This was a day that um, at San Diego Sector, you sat there all day until it was your turn yeah. to do your oral board. And, if, and since I was from the area, I sat there to the end. Um, they sent a woman out from her interview, said she didn't pass. Um, the <laughs> horse patrol came in and, and sat down and talked to me. I thought that was pretty cool. But when I was getting ready to go in for that interview, they said the woman before you didn't pass. And I don't know if that was true or they were, they were trying to mess with me. Ah. But um, I walked out of there to go home and find out that a friend of mine, her name was, um, I started to get shaky just talking about it, mm. Kimberly Sue Tom Hill. She was somebody I briefly met joined the San Diego Police Department, and that very day, she was shot and killed in the line of duty. Her first um, day? So she was, I think she was in, I think she'd been on patrol maybe nine months. Wow. When that happened. So um, that same day, while I was taking my oral and sitting there all day, she had been, she had been killed, so had her partner. So mm. that's, that's in my head. But time goes by, in February 1985, I get my letter. And it says you're going to San Diego. I mean to uh, Yuma, and I'm in San Diego. My dad says um, that's 162 miles, I think, from Yuma. No guts, no glory, gentlemen. <laughs> Why would you trust and do all that? And then, because I just said Yuma. Where is that? So remember, you canoed out there. It was extremely hot. No guts, no glory. So um, with the encouragement of my parents, and also to stop again, that same month. Actually, probably the same week that I got my letter, Kiki Camarena was abducted, tortured, and murdered. Same February 1985. Oh. Those two deaths, I think, looking back, I guess, could have deterred me. Um, the very first one with Kimberly could have. But both of them instead um, pushed me, fueled me to keep going. And I had no clue what law enforcement meant at all really i just knew that somehow this is what i wanted to do and and those two those two deaths were really um right there at the top of my my head yeah they so, they impacted you they did they, they greatly impacted me and um no i only knew kimberly briefly i met her um uh probably a couple years before that she told me what she was going to do or she was getting ready to try to do and and I was, I was devastated, but like, it didn't fuel me. So I just kept going and showed up in Yuma, Arizona, March 11, 1985, um, ready to go. And um, where did you go to the academy? Glencoe, Georgia. Ah, Glencoe. I love Glencoe. <laughs> <laughs> the home of those nats with a really big team. Um, by yes. that time, March, it was beautiful, right? It's nice. And then we hit humidity like I've never experienced before. I lived in San Diego for crying out loud. And um, and there I was, you know, just uh, you take a shower after PT and you're sweating right again. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. There's not, yeah. It's crazy. But um, so, yeah, Glencoe, Georgia, definitely where that, what was that, that paper mill? Oh, the smell. <laughs> <laughs> Very distinct. Yeah. Now, uh, while you were at the academy, what did you what did you find? Uh, you know, how did that experience go for you? You know, uh, you know, and what did you find most difficult? 
Well, the running was not my thing. I, like I said, I was at Grossmont College when I applied for the virtual taking fun dance classes by jazz and, and even ballet. And so I was kit, but I wasn't a runner. Mm. So I struggled throughout the whole time with the running. Um, uh, Tabasco runs were great, but um, my, my, uh, my classmates helped me out. You know, they would grab your elbow and just yank you forward. Yep. Still running, but they're giving you a little boost. So, um, yeah, that was that was the tough part. Um, everything else, I never shot before. Um, never, like I said, never really thought what it was entailed. And every day I just was grateful and I had such a blast that I was there. It was so much fun. Um, we were getting ready to do our final PT. And one of my classmates saw me in the snicker bar. <laughs> and he said, what are you doing? I said, look, I'm here today. I will be here at the end of tomorrow. I'm going to finish the snicker bar. But um, it was it was just a lot of fun. Um, and just kept thinking. I never thought about it. I'd lose my job if I didn't pass. I did, but I was lucky. I didn't have that um, stress on me. I didn't have a family. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. So whatever happened, if I happened to get sent home, I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But that never crossed my mind that that wouldn't happen. Um, I just kept pushing forward. Um, you know, Spanish um, wasn't my thing either. I failed, or not failed it, but I had like a day in college. But I also wasn't paying attention, and this mattered to me. So um, I just kept doing it every day. Yeah. Showing yeah. up. Yeah. Now, how many um, how many other females were there with you? In my class, there were four of us, okay. and three of us made it. And actually, the, the fourth one that didn't pass, she didn't pass her PT, she went on to U.S. Customs. And I actually have been in contact with her for a long time. But out of about 50 of us, there were four of us. Uh-huh. And um, two of us out of four retired from the Border Patrol. Um, and um, we had a pretty good bond as girls, but... We also bonded with everybody. It was it was um, not necessarily us against them. Although sometimes there was, like my PT final, I found out later there were bets. <laughs> <laughs> somebody made some money off me because I, I actually passed my PT final. And I guess somebody betted against me or they thought it was fun. But, um, yeah, there were four of us. And who was your other um, female partner that, that I ended up retiring also? Um, Gracie Mata. Okay. You may know her. Um, Avelina Valderrama or Avelina Higgins, she went on to, I think, INS somewhere along the way. Um, and then she, um, she resigned, I, I imagine, for family reasons. Um, and then Letty Ramirez, she went off to customs um, and still had a nice career. She just didn't make the PT final that day. Oh. Everything else she was she was doing awesome at, so... It was a very big disappointment, but I was really grateful that she found something and kept going. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, getting through the academy, now it's time to get ready to show up to your first duty station, and that was, as you said, uh, Yuma, Arizona, Yuma Sector. So what station did you end up getting? Yuma Station. Okay. Yuma Station. Um, I had no idea there was a difference. Blythe, Welton, actually at the time it was Blythe, Tacna, and Yuma. Tacna was a hardship station. And later they moved it into Welton City, which is not really that far away, and and made it a regular station, uh, built a new station there. But I was this young um, 
Oh, California Blondie, California Blondie walking in there. Um, <laughs> that first night it was midnight shift, and back in the day when you can smoke in government buildings, yeah. that's what they were doing. They were sitting back, slouched in their chairs, all these guys smoking and chewing in their um, faded green uniforms. Some of them, their boots are a little dusty, just waiting for the clock to hit midnight and briefing to start. And it was silent, and I don't know if it was silent because I walked in or that's just how it was. <laughs> felt like all eyes were on me, but just for a few seconds, you know. Um, and I was just so excited to be there every day. Um, look at the new girls. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think at that time in Yuma Sector, there were only six of us. Uh. Maybe so, and there were a total of, by the time I got to Yuma Station, that I made three. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so still, you know, the percentages were down, but there were, there were girls there and we were, we were, um, giving them a run, you know, some people or some of the guys, although they didn't show it, they're all professional as far as I was concerned. I knew that, um, from talking over time that they didn't want us girls there. And there's a couple reasons. And, um, one was, I guess it's just natural instinct for a man to want to protect a woman. And so they felt as though some of them, not all, they were going to have to watch out for us too. Mm-hmm. And not just themselves out there in the field. And yeah. as long as we kept working and doing what we were supposed to do and being a border patrol agent and uh, standing up for our own, um, it all worked out. And, um, you know, they start to tease and joke with you and you know that you're in Yeah. when that starts to happen. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's some yucky stories, nothing bad. Nothing too bad. I did document somebody one time, but I left it alone. Um, and, uh, you know, you choose your battles when it comes to that kind of stuff. That was up to me. Yeah. So. And uh, you wouldn't want to elaborate on any of those? You don't have to mention um, well, any? One was just somebody that um, happened to be a rank. Um, and it was a lot of little things. And I guess I was at a point where I just didn't want any conflict. So... What I did was I documented and I um, kept either a text message or an email or something. And finally, I just kind of sent a nice little message up the chain, basically. And that was because I've had it. And and that was to say I'm done. And it stopped. Um, and, you know, sometimes I look back and think I should have done something a little bit more. But um, I had to, you know, I'd already gone through some commotion in my own life I didn't want any more anything else right then I just wanted to work so when I sent that message up the chain I think that's what did it for at least for then and then a couple years later I retired um but uh that's you know was little things that add up Gil you know yes yeah of course yeah now starting out there with the a new station a new shift you start you're you're walking in there uh, how what was the work like and uh, wh- who, you know who were some of the journeymen that actually you know that uh, that you remember that made a difference in your career? Well, you know, um, you and I back in the day we did everything. We did um, line launch. We did. We worked in the railroad yards, which meant you worked in town and around the trains. Um, we even did farm and ranch um, checkpoint. We did a lot of different things, so that made. That made Yuma really unique because you could come there and do all kinds of things. Um, you know, like 
down on the border towns, you could chase that in the East Desert. Well, we used, we sun cut it everywhere. But um, along the river, the Colorado River, um, and, and what those kind of cases, at first it was, early on in my career, it was mostly, mostly illegal alien traffic. Um, and later on it became more dope and other things that were bigger and, you know, I won't say more serious, um, just different, just something's changed. But the work was awesome. Uh, my first shift was um, <laughs> was out in the East Desert chasing my journeyman. Um, his name is Dennis Davis. Um, and uh, he tells me in the passenger seat to take that little yellow flashlight they, they uh, issued me mm-hmm. and um, shine it on the ground while he's driving and he's got the sign on his side. And, oh, my gosh, I was so dizzy, but I was so grateful, too, that we caught the group of 12. But he had me looking at the ground trying to teach me how to cut sign at the same time with a tiny little yellow flashlight, which, by the way, you can do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can do whatever you need to do with whatever you have. We caught that group of 12. But he was one. He was my first journeyman. He took me out there into our desert, told me which way was which, kind of how it worked, how to how to follow sign, how to um, leapfrog, mm-hmm. those kind of things, um, teaching me that in the first night. And and also, um, big time about safety, because the group we caught, one of them, out of, as we're searching, one of them had a, a sheep, a 12-inch knife sheep on his hip, and no knife. So then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where's this knife? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was definitely a, a, an eye-opener, and I learned to to make sure I started searching my aliens, you know, and searching them good because even though a 12-inch knife can be found, maybe easier than something else, I don't want to find it the wrong way. Agreed. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be at that end of it. And it ended up that there was no knife. He just liked that sheet that was pretty cool, and, and that's what he was doing, you know, was just kind of carrying it, you know, looked like a tough guy or something. But I had other I had other good journeymen too that and I hate to just name a whole bunch of names because I feel like I miss somebody. But you know, um, Howard Aiken was one. He became one of our pilots. Um, Brett Atkins, another guy. He was my supervisor, Dave Peter, and I was out there trying to chase with that man. And he said, "Get up ahead of me." It was all I could do to get up ahead of me because he <laughs> could drive. He could drive. I don't know, fifty miles an hour and cut sign. Yeah. And I had to do at least that to get ahead of him to try to to, to get that far up there. And, and but it was it was he taught me. And uh, Sid Hooper. We had other guys like Brian Mallon and John Bergmeier. Now those guys they wanted to chase taillights. So and that meant and you know pulling over cars, getting out talking to people. Their favorite place to work was in town. Mm-hmm. And so they taught me a lot about that. Um, I had a supervisor. One of them, Ola Estes, um, may he rest in peace, he was calm and quiet and he called, he said I had spunk. It was kind of like an old guy's way of saying, yeah, you're a cool girl that works. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I had others, uh, Barbara Gento, Danny Moser, Doug Rodney, Kenny Morris. Um, our pilots were great. Colonel Child, Hank Hayes back in the day, Jackie Mason, um, Dave Robertson, and he, him and uh, Jackie Mason have passed away since. Dave Robert, uh, Robertson um, in the line of duty. And then I had a really great PAIC, Jim Lockwood. So there was a lot of people, and that's just a tiny list. I mean, just on the top of my head thinking of who was around back yeah. then because there were more. 
Yeah. You know, I had a, one or two that were perfect examples of what I never wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And the rest, um, they were true Border Patrol agents, so old school, old patrol guys that um, we always wanted to, to be. And hopefully I became something close, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but they were great examples. And um, the, those that are still alive today, um, I still keep in contact with. Yeah. So now, um, any um, any close calls out there, or any uh, funny war stories that you uh, you remember while you were out there? Um, close calls. Um, silly. You know, when I think about some of that stuff, I I don't. I guess sometimes when I was maybe too inexperienced, I don't think I saw the close calls the way I might see them today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I did have. Um, a guy I tasseled with back in the day where we didn't have um, a carrier for our walkie, so I'm trying to get this guy down on the ground and cuffed, and, you know, he's, 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 I'm on his, I'm on his back, so I'm trying to push him to the ground, trying to hold my walkie-talkie, trying to call for someone to give me a hand, and uh, he didn't want to admit when he got to the station that the girl cuffed him and took him in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then there was a time where I was actually working in prosecutions, and so I was going to court presenting cases, and I was in a skirt and heels, and we saw someone on the side of the road, and I go, oh, no, we're on the way somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we're supposed to be somewhere. And so we get we get over, we get over to the side, and sure enough, this guy's illegal, and, and he starts to actually come at me with a, a rock. And we push him down, and so I end up hurdling this guy, cuffing him in a skirt and heels. <laughs> um, so I don't know who saw that. I know some people that I talked to in years later knew about that, that I didn't know about that. It was kind of something I just didn't talk about. But, um, you know, that was the, what we were going to do that day. We were not letting him go, and he wasn't going to hit me with a rock. That's for sure. So he yes. left out that day. He got cuffed and taken into custody. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that uh, you brought something up that jarred my memory, too, and it's um, when you're there and you're brand new, you don't know how many close calls you came across, right? Well, you know, how many how many ravines or cliffs you didn't fall off of, how many times you didn't get hit by a car or, you know, or, uh, or you know, I don't know, even how many people you might have walked past. I remember catching a group one time, and I thought I had it all secure, and then I, 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 I went around the rock to kind of relieve myself, and there was a whole bunch more sitting right there that I didn't even know, know were oh, there. Yeah. You know, we're, we're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and years later when I was a senior agent, and then when I became a supervisor, I tell my the agents that work with me, I'm like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Think about what you're doing. Yeah. You know, um, because we've been there, you know, how many times we just jump out and we didn't look down and we were jumping on a snake, we were going to jump on a, you know, rubber snake, and we just did it. We just, we just went for it. And, uh, you know, that's what made it so fun and, and so grateful, super grateful that, of course, we got to come home at the end of the night after all the things that we felt. God, I turned around. Why did I move this way? Why did I, you know, why did I put my gun out there? Or why did I, you know, yeah, you, I, I, I at least I know there was many times I caught myself later going, oh, what did I do? Now, that could have went really bad, and uh, and it didn't. But yeah, there was um, there was a lot of <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there was a lot of times when we were just bulletproof. 
Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And I saw, I, you know, I've seen quite a few pictures that uh, you've posted and you've sent me before too. You know, you work in the railroads and uh, what was your, what did you end up liking to do? You know, a lot of times PAs, they kind of end up specializing and doing what they like to do. Some like to chase vehicles on the freeway. Other people like to cut sign. Other people like to work checkpoint. What did you enjoy doing most while you were out there? Well, you know, I liked I liked the catch, of course. I liked the satisfaction of, of, of the apprehension. But the waiting, to me, the waiting and planning and, and, and scheming, um, first of all, was one of my favorite things to do, was plan and see how that plan was going to come out. You know, we're going to catch the people. But I, did, I liked working along the, California, the, the Colorado River um, because, like I said, early in the day, there was... It was alien traffic mostly, and then later it was um, drug trafficking. And the danger, but the excitement to it was they'd come in two or three vehicles at a time. Um, back, we had changed terrain down there along our river. We had now barriers. We had um, tractor um, gates to try to stop them, and they did everything and anything to get around it. Mm-hmm. Whether that meant chopping a car. Um, you know, all different things, and, and it was, it was very exciting, it was very dangerous, but it was very exciting to be able to be part of those chases, um, and, and in the end, hopefully no one was hurt, and we still made the apprehension, was almost no close, they were, they would bust up over the, up over the rocks from the river, mm-hmm. bales of marijuana falling out, <laughs> you know, along the, along the river trail and stuff, and, um, it, that was a lot of fun. So, you know, I like the spine cutting, but, you know, too, and Yuma was known for that and still is. I think Yuma Setzer is. Um, and I hope that I was even half as good as the journeyman that taught me. Um, I think I still use that skill today. I don't know many of us that can't look at the ground without looking at spine on the ground, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, and we also talked about the fact that I might have worked there uh, for a couple of deployments while you were there. I think you said you might have been either working in asset forfeiture or, uh, or yeah. seizures or something like that. But I remember getting assigned either Andrade or uh, San Luis. And on the, in Andrade, I remember one time a, a PA came up to me, hung over, and he goes, dude, he goes, I'll take your ex, man. Just go drive around. And as I was driving away, a lady stops me. She goes, oh, she goes, I'm really concerned. I saw a bunch of kids going up and over into the freeway with backpacks. I'm like, kids? She goes, yeah. (laughs) So I go over there and I fall upon some sign. Well, you know, I started chasing it and I'm I'm in a few hours. I'm out of water. I don't even know where I'm at at this point. I end up catching them. Uh. Three hours later, stuck in the reeds next to the river, and now I'm calling for backup and asking someone to come get me, and I can't tell them where I'm at. I oh, but, and that happens even earlier in, the, <laughs> in our career. If you were borbatoising, you had to have been lost at least, I say one time, but that's Oh, joke. many, many, you yes, know. yes. But, yeah. Yeah, and so I ended up having to walk the group back because I couldn't tell anybody where I was, and I stuffed 15 people into an an expedition including in the front seats and i pull up to that guy that's on the on the x and i'm going hey uh what do i do with these guys he goes what the hell he goes you weren't supposed to catch anything you're just supposed to drive around and so it was i, I had a good time working yuma so you must have had a great time you yeah, know it was and, and all the way to the end i, did, I didn't want to retire i really didn't it yeah. was getting close to my mandatory and i knew i had to i had to make a decision but um it was it was a lot of fun 
you know, we always say it was the best job we ever had. And I, I can think of only a few times when uh, being at work wasn't so hot. And that was um, a few times when we lost someone in the line of duty. Other than that, um, I loved being, you know, doing what I did. Whatever job they gave me, wherever they gave it to me, uh, we made I made something out of it for sure, you know. Yes. Now, when you were working the field, working the line, you know, having all that fun, was it your intention to go ahead and promote? No, and, and I waited a really long time. I was one of those, like some of my friends, so we're not going to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go to the dark side, we used to say. Yeah. And then I sat at briefing one time with someone who'd been in the patrol a couple years, giving me direction. One time telling me about something about how to work uh, an area, as a matter of fact. And they're not a bad person by any means, but I thought, what am I doing? You know, um, there's nothing wrong with taking that next step, even if it's now. And so I did. And as a matter of fact, I took the image. I, somehow I signed up to take the the, uh, the customs test at first. Don't ask me how I did that. And they told me then when I tried to apply for soup that I didn't qualify. I must have failed. And I go, failed? I didn't fail. <laughs> What's wrong? So I had to actually retest. I kept thinking, why are they asking so many questions about containers and different things? I know that stuff, but, you know, and I passed that test pretty good. But, um, so I had a retest, and uh, it happened pretty quick as soon as I, I passed my test, and, and they had the next opening, you know, I had how many years then and experience, and um, I got selected, and it was, it was the best thing I ever did. I wished, and my supervisors said, some of my supervisors from years back said, I don't know why you waited. Mm. And, and I wouldn't either, because it was the best job. It was the best job to be able to uh, lead and also be able to get out and work, you know, at the same time. There was a time, yeah, there was a time, I believe, that the, being a first-line soup was the best job in the patrol. Because you had nice. minimal yeah. admin stuff to do, you just and, and you could go out and work. And, I, and some of the best... Uh, supervisors that I remember working with in El Cajon were the ones that uh, went out there and, and uh, uh, a few of them in particular that were, I mean, just amazing field agents, even as after they got their supervisor uh, promotion, they were out there still working. Exactly. And, you know, like um, we had we had duties to get taken care of before we went to the field, if we were assigned to the field and we had to do that and... Um, of course, they wanted us out by a certain time in the evening, too, but I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out there, even if I didn't get to work the whole thing that the my unit was working, I still got to get out there and, and be with them um, sometimes, you know, a lot of times side by side, whether it was just keeping the area down, keeping keeping stuff back, or, or working it. Um, and, and that, it kind of, you know, it kind of gave us um, some leeway, too, because... We didn't have to get out there right there when it started, but we got to get out there and in the mix of it. And I really enjoyed working with the junior agents and the agents coming up. And and um, I don't know, I just, that was one of the best things I could have ever done was to promote to supervisor. Yes. Now, um, were, were, were there any uh, times after you became soup that it was hard to be a female PA uh, in, in the patrol? Um, you know what, I think... There might have been whispers. I'm listening to that. Um, certainly, they couldn't say that. You know how I got my way up there because I didn't do it in three years. I did it in twenty some years. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think what I felt and what someone said one time is they want me to. Re to it was kind of like I had to reprove myself. 
Mm. And I said, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get out there and work, and I'm going to be me, but I'm not going to jump through hoops again. I'm going to do my job. And, you know, I think that, that could have very well, I felt anyway, that it was because I was the, the new girl soup. But other than that, um, that that's that was all I experienced as a supervisor and being a woman. Of course, now, there were things that, you know, just in general that women... In, in law enforcement handle better. And so sometimes maybe they chose me to do certain tasks or help somebody with something because I had a better way of, of things as far as being, you know, because I'm a woman. But other than that, um, that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I got that job on merit and I kept doing it with, with everything that I had all the way to the end. Yeah. And now um, you, you know, and, and, and it's not going to be our purpose here in this podcast to talk about uh, one of the roughest times you had in the patrol. And uh, you did go through a, through a period there where uh, life was, re- was made very hard for you uh, in the patrol, but uh, you managed to survive it and get past it. And if I understand correctly from our conversation, when you got back, when you came back from that, that's when you promoted the supervisor. You actually... Pretty close to that time, yeah, um, it, it was. And so, you know, at first I was really nervous about that, but um, I got right back into everything, and then I, in a little bit I did get promoted and continue my career almost as if nothing had ever happened. I mean, it was harder on me, I think, than anything else. But um, that was, and Border Patrol was always where I belonged. So mm-hmm. um, that's why it came down the way it did, and that's why it continued the way it did through the end to, to my career of my career yeah and uh you hold and and, and you hold no um you know you were saying that uh, you have no bad feelings about anything in the patrol is still is still the best damn job you ever had oh, you know what someone asked me one time you went through all that how do you how do you go to work and how do you smile and how do you mm. do your job the way you do and all i can say is i am a border patrol agent that is who i am that is what i do you know yeah, yeah. so um that's how it went. Yeah. Still to this day. Still to this day. And uh, I wanted to ask you before we get into um, how your dance classes actually came around and paid off later. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, you know, in the time that you were in, in you and you spent your entire career in Yuma? Yes. Yes. I had a, I had a detail to the academy to teach um, and a few other little things here and there. I taught some EEO training across the country and and things like that, but yeah, my whole career was in the almost center. Yeah, so can you tell me how you felt that you know the job had changed, say from the t- from when the time you came in till the time you retired? What are some of the things you saw that were that you know a- a- as you progressed in your career that were major changes in the way we were doing the job? Well, like I said at the very beginning, we were. We were chasing illegal aliens like there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I think it was ERCA, don't quote me on the date, where some things changed as far as our apprehensions changed, those kind of things. And of course, over time, I saw, and maybe it was because I was young coming, I was, you know, as I came in, I did notice it. But moreover, my career, I, I felt um, politics really took a hold of our job sometimes and I felt like that was a struggle mm-hmm. uh, um, and it was I shouldn't say I felt like it was a struggle and it just depended on the, the politics and the who was in office at the time and things like that 
Um, but also then, um, as as anything, like we, we started, we became what we call a focus sector. We were so overrun. Probably it was the time you were here on detail, 2004, mm-hmm. 2005. It was insane. Um, even 2000, back to 2001, the uh, drive-thrus alone were out of control. Mm. Um, you know, when I come in, there was almost no fencing. So things started to change. I don't know when we put our first uh, landing mats up, probably in the 90s. But in 2000, after experiencing 2004, 2005 with bonsai groups uh, that were insane, drive throughs vehicles parked everywhere in our desert, just abandoned. It was, it was insane. They put up our first fencing and uh, infrastructure um, where we had in certain areas, like you were in San Luis. We now had a primary fence, a secondary, and a tertiary fence, mm-hmm. which we didn't have all that. So we were able to um, kind of contain things a little bit easier in some places because of the fencing that was going up. Um, and since I, re- even though there was a lot barriers up when I retired, now there's more fencing and um, um, better control there with that. Yeah. You know, people say, well, they can get around your fences. They can, yeah, they do. But we have gone from insane apprehensions in 2005 to 2006, 7, 8 to almost nothing for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we made some more adjustments along the way. You know, cameras, everything that we put out there. So the technology definitely changed. Yeah. Um, not only did we go from walkie-talkies, we didn't have to check out to our own personal check, um, walkie-talkie every day. Mm-hmm. was already with us. We didn't have to check that out anymore. But the cameras that we had were put up, more sensor, you know, electronic devices were in. And so even though sometimes I thought, this is too much, as you saw it evolve and change, I saw it, I saw the benefit of all of it. You know, I saw the benefit of having more sensors. I saw the benefit of more cameras helping us out. Um, And definitely the, the infrastructure, the fencing that went up, it made a huge difference in how we can control things and that even if the apprehensions were to increase to the numbers, and I have no clue what's going on right now, really, um, that we would be able to better control things, mm-hmm. um, talk to each other easier, um, communicate, you know, just overall I thought it, it, made, it made a good change. Now, sometimes I felt like, and, and probably our journeyman too, <laughs> All these young guys, they don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> you know? they, they complain about something that, that I don't think they should complain about. But you know that the generations of us change. And, and I'll say like, you know, I have a hard time seeing a board treasure with a beard. And that's, to me, that's really minor. <laughs> you know, but things, things do change, progress. And, and I always see overall the picture is better. Mm. And we're doing a better job, and I know that we're always trying to do the most exceptional job that the Border Patrol can ever do, Yeah, is, um, is make those changes, you know? Yeah, well, you know what, it, I, I tell you, that's one of the uh, reasons why I love doing this podcast. You know, it's a labor of love for me, because I love recording the stories of our PAs from way back in the day, you know, that, that have seen such a big difference from the way it was done back in the past till now. And so uh, tell me how you approached retirement. Like, you know, retirement's coming. What were you, how were you preparing yourself? I wasn't. 
Ah. <laughs> Good I answer. Was, um, the, my mandatory was going to be, uh, let's see, two years ago today. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, two years ago this month, I should say. Okay. And, but over uh, ten years ago, my granddaughter was born. And when she became five, going, you know, going get ready to go to school, I was raising her. And so she was, she is the reason why I took an early retire, earlier retirement than planned. I could never, I could never choose a date. Everyone talks down, they're counting the days down, they're counting minutes down, they're counting hours down, but it was five years away or two years away. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I, I knew it's going to, something's going to talk to me and tell me. And she's getting ready to go to kindergarten and, um, they don't do half, to half days anymore. So I had to make a decision as to what I could do because it wasn't fair for me to try to raise her and not be home. Mm-hmm. And I did that enough when my kids were little. I don't know sometimes how we got what we got as a family because um, I was single um, with my two boys. And um, so I just had to make that choice. I had to pick a date. And uh, I picked the end of 2016, and I sent my paperwork in, and I'm just thinking, you know, I don't want to have to kind of worry about taking Christmas off, or who am I going to bump, or, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I called up the lady at, at uh, uh, Robust, was it, uh, oh my God, what's the retirement place? I can't even think of the, the place, and I just called her up and said, hey, if I go in two weeks, is that going to mess things up? She goes, no. Just send me an email. <laughs> so um, for the for the bet, you know, for a bet, my granddaughter's Carly Darnell. She's now ten, and she's the joy of my life. And that's the reason that I chose that day. I could have gone all the way up to two years ago, straight up, mm-hmm. and I would have been happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I can see by the I can see by the way you post about her that uh, it was a good decision. It was the, it was the best decision. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. Now tell me, um, uh, we were talking about those dance classes. So you you were taking <laughs> dance classes before you went to the border patrol, but uh, it came, it ended up coming in handy in retirement, didn't they? Yeah, and I'm no real dancer, but um, I I dabbled in in San Diego at um, Grossmont College, performed a little bit, even nothing. Let's not get crazy about the performance part of it. That was part <laughs> of the classes, but ballet, jazz. Um, and um, a little bit of modern dance. And as a matter of fact, I was taking a ballet class when I got my letter from a German woman wearing, back in the day, you know, we wore leggings, not leggings, but uh, leg warmers. And she was, you know, she would in German say, pull those things up, you don't want to look like an elephant. But anyway, that's what <laughs> class I was in for, to round my, some of my dancing experience when I got the call from Border Patrol. So fast forward many years, I'm trying to find a way to keep fit. And I started out actually with line dancing and um, kind of played around with that a little bit. And then finally, um, another agent's wife was teaching dance here in Yuma, and she's going to start teaching adults. So I started dancing with that group for a while. And mm-hmm. then I certified in, in, in Zumba, and it went from there to where now I teach a bunch of different fitness classes. But that's where it started. And like I said, I'm no dancer, <laughs> so um, but I have fun up with it, and I think it's you got to have fun exercising, or you're not going to do it. 
Yeah, and so you ended up getting certified in doing you know dance classes, and uh, did I get that right? That you also certified to do yoga. I do. Yeah, that was two hundred hours. That that was I've never had that kind of commitment before, other than the academy. That one was two hundred hours. The other ones are usually eight hour days. Yeah, maybe three day weekends because I did pound, I did bar, um, which is kind of a dance oriented type thing. I did some other certifications, but that one was two hours, two two hours, two hundred hours. Yeah, of my time, and that was that was studying, that was writing homework assignments. Oh my, I've never done that. I haven't done that since the academy, really. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, doing my my actual class for certification. So it was it was a lot of a lot of commitment there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, as we begin to kind of wind down our interview, first of all, just let me tell you what a what a great. Um, it was been great to sit here and hear your story here, the way you started out and your struggles and all those things that you overcame. Your uh, your positive attitude, you know, and your your passion to you know to how you enjoy the job and all those things. And I think that this is something we all like to hear, and in, in the patrol, you know, because I feel I still feel that way. And I'm going to retire in March, and I still feel as great, uh, you know, good about this job. I still love this job, even though it's changed right under my nose in so many different ways as well. So before we do kind of wind down, is there something you want to say? You'd like to say to say to your fellow uh, the female agents that are in the patrol right now, or anything you'd like to add? Sure. Um, first, I say be yourself. You know, you don't have to try to be one of the guys. You need to be yourself and just become a board patrol agent. Um, take different assignments, uh, in and out of sector details, maybe, and definitely instruct something. I learned a lot teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, work in the field. That gives you guys. Agents want to see somebody in in uh, management that has actually got down in the dirt and really worked in the field. Um, be ready when they say um, they want somebody to do something. Be ready to say yes. Um, so a little street cred. Yeah, and, and or field cred. If they say, "Can you do this?" You're going to say, "Maybe I can't, but I'm going to say yes because I'm going to do this." Um, your family is first, but you can do both. Um, I believe that it just takes patience and um, a fun and then go home at the end of your shift to your family because at the end of the day that's what we all work for um, but also I want to add for everybody and, and and this is this goes without saying that we can never forget our fallen Bill um, for me those men and women who sacrificed their lives doing our job deserve to be remembered and we owe them to work hard to go home after our shift each shift so I, I think that's a lot right there <laughs> no and let me let me tell you something one of the things that i feel uh you know uh both of us share is that love right that love for uh our, our uh our senior agents our retired senior agents and our fallen agents because you you do a lot there in yuma to keep the family together right i mean don't you run programs actually to keep you know meetings and uh, to uh, meet up with all the retired Border Patrol agents. And um, you're always the first to uh, put up honors for the agents, especially the ones out of Yuma, when when, uh, when their anniversaries come. Yeah, I do. I do that. And, and it's hard every time, but I do it. They deserve it. Um, but, yeah, we have, a, we have a, even a Facebook page um, for our Yuma agents um, that's kind of a little closed but um, not so secret. To kind of, we don't do any politics on there. We just talk and keep keep in, in, 
in uh, contact with each other. We have a, a breakfast every month that we haven't been able to have for the last few months. I'm looking forward to that again. And so I'm one that helps. I'm not the only one, but I'm one that helps share that information and spread that spread the news um, to make sure that everyone gets to meet. Mm -hmm. I'm also part of FORBO, the Fraternal Order of Border Patrol Officers. I'm their uh, recruitment chair, so I love doing that. We get to connect every year. Um, we're trying to get to Biloxi this year. That kind of got rescheduled. Mm -hmm. And then um, some of our Yuma agents and others, we meet every year and go camping out in um, out in the desert, um, and I'll meet. So there's a few things. And, and those times that we meet are, um, I need them. I need to be with my brothers and sisters. We all retired so that we could be with our families and do those kind of things. And and so maybe we don't all get to see each other very much, but we do get to meet during those times and uh, lie about some things and um, <laughs> and just just be together and share those memories that we had from before. And that's those are my brothers and sisters, just like yours. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like a, 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 no. just a handful of PAs sitting around, you know, having a beer or eating breakfast or whatever, or coffee, and just uh, t t like you said, telling war stories, telling <laughs> lies, and uh, and enjoying each other's company. There's nothing like it. Exactly. Well, ma'am, I uh, can't tell you how uh, much I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview. I thank you so much. I think I, I, uh, I learned a lot about you, and I think everybody that listens to the podcast is going to learn a lot about you, and uh, especially as one of our, what we call our fierce five percenters, right? You see, there's always that, the, 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 the women in the patrol are right around five percent, and so, uh, uh, you know, you guys, uh, ever since you came in, since 1975, I see it as something that, you know, you, you were game changers, you were pioneers, you came into a a male-dominated, you know, uh, uh, initially, you know, uh, organization, and you made your mark. Definitely, and I like to say male-populated. <laughs> male-populated, okay, yeah, let's not say dominant, let's say populated. All right. <laughs> but you're right, you're right, and it's been awesome, it was awesome. Well, thank you for your time, ma'am, and I appreciate it very much, and uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. Oh, you bet. Thanks, Gil. All right, thank you very much. This concludes our interview with retired Supervisory Border Patrol agent Janelyn Busick. Overcoming her own fears with true courage, guts, and determination, she made a career out of the Border Patrol for herself and did really well. Happy 45th anniversary to all our female agents who are true warriors and game changers and the patrol would not be the same without you. Come browse through our Old Patrol HQ store at oldpatrolhq.bigcartel.com for some amazing products that you can wear proudly honoring the history, heritage, and legacy of the patrol with a few shenanigans along the way. If you listen on Apple or Google Podcasts, please give us a short but raving review and five stars so we can climb up the corporate food chain. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first. Honor always. Honor always.